you for joining us at the Pete Space. I'm Simone Howell with Palette Life Sciences. Palette Life Sciences is dedicated to providing educational resources and fostering meaningful peer-to-peer discussions about VUR and pediatric urology. Today, we discuss holistic surgical skills training with Dr. Max Mizels. Dr. Mizels received his medical degree from the University of California, Los Angeles School of Medicine. His postgraduate training included residency at Boston University Medical Center and urology and pediatric urology at Northwestern University and Children's Memorial Hospital. He has been on staff at Chicago Children's Hospital since 1980. He currently sees patients at Ann and Robert Laurie Children's Hospital of Chicago. Over the years, of clinical pediatric urology practice, he has incorporated creation of e-learning platforms to promote effectiveness in the operating room. Since 2010, he's promoted best practices for newborn circumcisions. Welcome, Dr. Mizels, and thank you for joining us on the Ped Space. I'd like to thank Paulette for the opportunity to introduce your podcast listeners to how they may implement holistics and online virtual training with a simulate model as DIY or do-it-yourself into their surgical training. I'd like to speak on how holistic training differs from traditional training. So from this perspective, historically, the main method for surgical training relied on an apprentice system in which a learner could acquire skills by passive transfer. In other words, trainees as apprentices were paired with an expert, so there was a one-to-one learning for months at a time. In this system, the operating room was an arena to learn by immersion. In other words, in the operating room, a trainee watches an expert work and tries to mimic the skills the expert shows. The relationship fosters dialogue to promote teaching skills. This one-to-one approach worked well for surgical training. It is about the same as learning to speak a foreign language by just traveling to a foreign country, hear the words, and speak the words, learning by immersion. In the 1980s, this tradition came to now include surgical feedback. So now, learning by mimicking is made more efficient because the expert provided detailed feedback the trainee on their skills shown. At best, the trainee would internalize the feedback and create a plan for next case so as to improve skills. The feedback served to direct practice such that improvements for the next case are done more efficiently and effectively. In other words, if you're playing a piece of music and needing to study how to play the music, just focus on mastering a measure or two rather than trying to play the whole piece better. In this way, a surgical trainee can identify segments of the case to work on, getting there one piece at a time. This time-honored method seems to work well, in my opinion, mostly because the trainees are quite smart and have good hands. So they pick up what they need to do organically. But in the 1990s, the landscape of healthcare began to take on administrative changes, which led to inconsistencies in extending healthcare and disrupted surgical training. How did these changes affect trainees? As programs acquired more staff and adult training programs wanted to be included into pediatric training programs, the one-on-one system was no longer tenable, especially as liability coverage for trainees might not be active at the new concept 
of going to satellite clinics. So trainees came to work alongside, not paired, with two to six staff members, different members, from whom they learned all different methods. The mantra was it was good for trainees to see variety in approaches, but really the varied method simply confused them. So in the next example for surgery, this began with surgeons needing to adapt to operating room nurse staff shortages. Traveling nurses emerged, and now a surgeon was required to train the new nurse staff in addition to the residents. In my opinion, this led to an avalanche of medical errors, institution of new systems looking to fingerpoint for accountability, electronic record-keeping requirements, reduced resident duty hours, and most recently, burnout. Uncertainty crept into the operating room. This new environment became too toxic for me. I realized I could not rely on hospital systems and administration to make my life better, so I looked to a bespoke solution. I figured that I needed to make a tool which teams together all the surgical staff with whom I'm expected to work together. The tool would weave together the staff so they now would work with a shared knowledge. And so in my workplace, we would be better for it. And so emerges the concept of a holistic environment. Success at surgery requires recognizing our workplace is an ecosystem. So I call this a surge echo. I task myself to inform my surgical trainees and parasurgical staff the knowledge and skills I expect them to show and know key spots in the procedure. For example, for deep open surgery, the scrub nurse would learn beforehand how to hand me a suture tie which is mounted on the tip of an angled clamp. Or for anti-reflux surgery done as injection therapy, the resident would be sure to know how I expect to set up swapping a new vial of deflux for a spent vial. This is especially difficult because I want to keep the injection needle in place while the needle tip is penetrating the ureter tunnel. What do you do specifically to train holistically? Over the years following 2010, I began to create online content to provide foreknowledge as preparedness for the operating room staff for routinely done cases. This is the Seville method or using a computer to enhance visual learning. In this method, staff and trainees may preview the surgical plan as components and steps. For example, for open hernia repair, they learn the order of the case as their staff surgeon expects it. Begins with the skin incision. Next, open the inguinal canal. Isolate the hernia sac and the rest. Or for endoscopic anti-reflux injection, the order of injections I make to buttress the ureter tunnel. I expect the content is accessed before surgery so the staff understands the flight plan for the procedure. So if I understand you correctly, you're creating a surgical case plan that is a step-by-step including patient positioning, surgical steps, needed instrumentation, all of which you publish on the OR monitor. And this ensures that all parties in the OR know exactly where you are in the procedure and can plan their own personal workflows according to what you're doing with the patient. In my opinion, it's really important for all the staff in the OR room to have transparent knowledge. It's important for them to know my flight plan. It's important for them to know what instruments they'll need at each segment of my flight plan. So starting with something as simple as placing a patient in lithotomy position, how do we do this? We need to be sure that we understand the nuances of endoscopic injection therapy 
can involve oblique angles for injection. So if you've just put a patient in a routine lithotomy position, there may not be any room for this. So we've coined the term sumo position. So if you can imagine a sumo wrestler with a thigh spread apart, so in endoscopic injection therapy, those orifices may be way out in left field. And how do you get there if the thighs are in the way? So you've practiced ahead of time how to position the patient. The OR scrub nurse understands this new position. So that's one example of presenting information publicly. Another example is simply to understand that some of these orifices may be so large, patchless, they require some bulking of the tunnel more than what one vial can provide. And then remember, there may be another one on the other side. So how one views when we need a next vial is important to the flow of the case. That information is put up on the public monitor so nurses can be prepared with extra vials, residents can be prepared for, if you will, what would be analogous to refueling a jet plane in air. You've got the needle in the orifice. You don't want to move it. It's in a great place because you put it there. And now you just need a little more deflux to inject. How do you get it? Well, it takes a little bit of unscrewing that lure lock hub. You put that lure lock on, you put that lure lock connector tight. You didn't want it to leak. So now you have to loosen it delicately, even though it's tight. How do you do that? By a pair of simple hemostats. Knowing that ahead of time makes a big difference. As computers and technology made their way into my OR, I applied this technology for surgical safety. I did this by providing clarity to the flight plan in the OR, by projecting the plan publicly onto the in-OR room monitors. This became a ready reference for all the in-room staff. Now the knowledge was transformed into just-in-time knowledge. This is because trainees could focus with less pressure on where in the surgery plan we were. Just look at the monitor, and the nurse staff could now see the next steps. They would also note the instruments they will need handy to prepare for the next steps, and the anesthesiologist could see when to plan wake-up. The simple idea of holistics, providing my surgeco with foreknowledge and also just-in-time knowledge of the exact surgery plan, went a long way to reduce staff apprehension and uncertainty in the operating room. I was very pleased to see the activities of the staff became deliberate and confident. They looked forward to have this respect shown them. So holistic training differs from traditional surgery training as holistic training codifies the surgery procedure now being tailored to an individual surgeon and now being nuanced to hospital staff, trainees, and to the hospital system. So Dr. Mizales, where does one start creating holistic surgical training? The concept of holistic training is good in theory, but could be a hurdle to apply in practice for those who are new to the concept. So I believe a good way to get going holistically is to have a guide. For this reason, I put out a how-to manual on making applications for holistic surgical practice. It is titled, A Guide to Make Applications for Holistic Surgical Practice. It is online and also in the podcast Front Matter. 
many of the applications shown are available to be downloaded and modified to an individual surgeon's needs. Just edit the downloaded files to your needs. This is done using a software called Articulate Storyline. It is used globally. Nowadays, hospital systems use this software. If needed, try contacting your IT or education departments to work with you. The software is available as a free trial. So once you get started creating your own bespoke several templates, think about luring your urology partners. This is because while as a group, you probably do most things similarly, there are differences between each of your group members. As your differences are important to you, why not showcase your preferences to the staff ahead of the procedure start using online access? In this way, you will get what you want because you've asked for it ahead. Your staff will be more confident in what you expect to be provided. Your day just got better. So do you recommend that each surgeon create these surgical guides or what you call flight plans that are published on the screen in the OR? We don't ask surgeons to do it. We involve the trainees to do it because it's for their own benefit. So a trainee comes to the OR and sort of expects to be taught, and maybe they take notes, maybe they don't. But then they could be asked to look at the manual on holistic care, download the templates, massage the templates for any procedure they want, whether it's an augmentation cystoplasty or a PIC cystogram or a deflux injection, then they can put it together just as a PowerPoint and they can present that PowerPoint to the attending. And the attending typically will say, yeah, I think you got it most of it right, but you know, I don't like this uh, stirrup for the lithotomy. I like that stirrup for the lithotomy. And they're just minor adjustments that they make. And through a few iterations, they'll get it right for one surgeon. You know, there's a recent article from our group and also a recent article from Seattle from Paul McGurian's group on just simply agreeing on the instruments for a Mayo stand for a hernia repair. I mean, that's sad that OR surgeons have been rogue cowboys and they can just expect anything that they ask for. It's not really fair. But for the staff to come together in Chicago and in Seattle and say, hey, guys, you know, you all have preferences. But so can we come to the table and just agree on which stirrup we're going to use? If you want to do an X-ray after your injection, go ahead. But can we please put the, the flat plate under the patient beforehand? You know, there are just a variety of things that the resident trainees can do for their own education and then present it to the staff. Once the staff vets it, it can be sent to other staff, so the whole group vets it, and then it can go online, and you've got a slam dunk thing within a few months. You've applied holistic training and skills practice to circumcision. What does that entail? It is an online training platform to promote uniform practices for newborn circumcision. I worked hard to build this platform because I believed it was sorely needed. This is because... While newborn circumcision is a service typically provided in the delivery hospital, complications of this procedure have come to require pediatric urological care. In the past, our workflow to handle such complications has been fix what needs to be fixed. But over the past decade, I've initiated a proactive approach to stem complications and promote good outcomes. I've done this by providing online training to show a method for the procedure which embeds a holistic approach, namely including the important stakeholders as neonatologists, obstetrician, pediatrician, 
hospitalists, pediatric caregivers, family medicine physicians, osteopaths, the list goes on with physician trainees and advanced practice nurse staff, providing understandings common to the different specialists for topics such as anatomy, doing a penile block, surgical technique, home care. In this way, care practices could become more similar than keeping the differences which exist now. I believe the nature of the training promotes outcomes because it promotes confidence in the proceduralist in how to do it. It begins by confirming the physical exam documents the genitalia are suited to circumcision and do not show local anomalies which interfere with success, such as a penis scrotum web. Found an anomaly? And perhaps don't do it and refer out so you don't get a complication from performing on a boy who is unsuited to the procedure. Also, it informs the staff helping with the procedure on what's going on so they may pitch in if needed. So if the GOMCO clamp kit you get to do the surf is checked and the parts don't fit, your assistant may have just saved your day. After the procedure, home skin care taught as skin physical therapy in the hospital is now assessed online at home, so parents may review. In this way, parents may pick up on poor healing, such as skin adhesions, early, so it may still be managed in the office. Tell us a little bit more about the Neocirc simulation program. I believe that training, which includes simulation practice, benefits training. Basically, this belief boils down that simulation practice gets the learner confident and deliberate in their skills better than immersion. This begins by providing a simulation experience. Learners internalize a procedure plan, implement the plan using a simulation model, then get feedback to remediate skills and finish as proficient. That means learners who are in the process of getting surgical skills training, whether for complex open or endoscopic surgery or even newborn circumcision, benefit from being confident that they are capable of doing their job. This confidence promotes them to perform skills deliberately. This execution of skills in a deliberate manner makes the procedure more efficient and effective. So in the newborn circumcision arena, understanding it is done under local anesthesia on an awake boy, it can be a challenge to the proceduralist if the boy cries or moves. So being confident that simulation practice has instilled how to perform the skill sets needed, then the real-time arena is met more successfully. The NeoCERT simulation program provides an online curriculum which learners may complete at their own time and at their own pace. It takes the learners by hand to come to understand the basics, then come to understand how the procedure is done for the three major techniques of Gomco clamp, Plastifelt device, and Mogan clamp. Once completed, the learner practices their skills on a simulate model. Just to let you know, the name of the model, Gregoire. Once they believe they are ready, then perform the simulation cert as a dress rehearsal to a staffer who vets their skills. Once the sim training is completed, the clinical procedure becomes straightforward. Our specialty is now experiencing a sharp increase in parent demands for newborn circumcision. This may be for various reasons, such as the delivery hospital has chosen to stop doing the procedure. The boy showed an anomaly on physical exam. Born prematurely, so too little. Or the family just needed more time to decide yes or no. So now, pediatric urologists have more patients to serve, but we have a shortfall of staff who are trained to perform the procedure. Thank you for sharing your thoughts, Dr. Mizells. Thank you so much, Simone and Pellet. 
for giving me an opportunity to speak to your audience about new techniques in surgical training. Thank you for joining us this week on the Peed Space. Remember to subscribe to the Peed Space to be notified whenever a new episode is released. To access more educational content, please visit the Deflux Learning Center on deflux.com and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Additionally, you can learn more about our company and our products at palettelifesciences.com. Mm-hmm.